This is Gateway City Sports. Cardinal fans to another edition of the Turning Two podcast. I am your co-host Tito Rivera and I am joined by a special guest tonight, Ron, the co-host of Team of Rivals Pod and Ruffled Feathers. I'm sure you guys have heard him before. Ron, how are you doing tonight? Tough loss today. What's what's on your mind? It was a tough loss today, wasn't it? Um and and I think what's more frustrating, Tito, by the way, it's great to talk to you again. It's been, it's been a while. Um, I, I think what's frustrating about it is we kind of all knew it was coming, right? They had a, uh, you know, outf- offensive outpouring, and then you kind of knew the next day, like, okay, is it going to show up two days in a row? Um, we don't see that very often. So you can kind of smell it coming. Um, but if there's anything that makes the Sunday feel just a bit better, the Cubs are getting their ass kicked by the Braves right now, 13-3. to three, So. We should be able to get some sleep tonight. Absolutely, and that is uh, a definitely welcomed end to a Sunday night, especially on national TV for Sunday night baseball. As Ron said, Cubs losing thirteen to three, four home runs given up by Kyle Hendricks in the first inning, and I couldn't actually believe what I was seeing. Um, but then again, it is the Cubs, and it's Wrigley Field uh, on a on a windy night. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where it, anything can happen. Uh, yeah, we've seen it there before for sure. Um, but yeah, Kyle Hendricks, uh, touching him up that much. That's, that's not common. You know, he's a soft tosser. He's a control freak and, um, they, they must've gotten to, I, I haven't watched the game. It's not like I'm going to spend my Sunday evening watching the Cubs play anybody unless they're playing us. Um, so I'm not sure if they just jumped on him earlier or what. But, you know, the other thing surprising about the whole Braves-Cubs thing tonight is just the Braves' record uh, was shocking. You know, I, you know, we get sometimes so laser-focused on what's going on in the Central, we don't look around too often, and I happen to look over to the NL East. I'm like, whoa, what's happening there? Sure. So, yeah, so surprising. And, and, and it's no different than, uh, than the AL East right now. Uh, did you know – that the Yankees, the the New York Yankees, have the worst record in all of the American League at five and ten. I was aware of that, and the only reason I was aware of that is I think uh, I I follow old John Boy there on uh, Twitter, and he's a big Yankees guy, so <laughs> that's how I was aware of that. Yeah, it's it's uh it's quite a shocking uh, start to the season. I I texted a buddy of mine. We were actually on the phone on Discord playing the show. And we were just kind of saying, like, man, this this start to this season has just been um, extremely weird. Um, but 
there is still baseball to be had, and there's a reason why it's 162 games. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our series recap. Um, I'm dubbing this the Philly fiasco because that's what it felt like this entire time, this entire weekend, um, and it didn't feel like there was any momentum uh, uh, kind of coming back to the Cardinals in game one uh, because of how it happened you know first inning goes by and then all of a sudden the second inning shows up and it was a complete disaster Ron what were your thoughts on how the second inning kind of unfolded for Carlos Martinez and really you know the main culprit just the defense and, and play in general well you just said it it was the defense that you know like we've all throughout the years we've seen Martinez have the ability to unravel right and and when it, it just exacerbates it when you don't have a defense behind him that's supporting him right that, that that puts him uh kind of a little bit deeper into that hole or gets him behind so it, to me that's a big part of it i don't think that inning is anywhere near as ugly um if that shows up and it's competent um he just needs a lot of support and unfortunately his defense wasn't there as much as it typically is to back him up so that's uh, that's really the story of this game. I mean, as far as Carlos Martinez goes, um, but you look at the end of the day, you know, how many games you're going to win against a club like the Phillies only putting up two runs on the board, right? So we can point that at inning and say, yeah, sure. You know, it sets them back early in the game, puts you down six to nothing. Maybe some guys are trying to do too much instead of just trying to chip away. But when the offense can only muster two, you're not going to win many of those games. It doesn't really matter who's who's pitching at that point. No, and I and I think we we should also mention, you know, uh, weather also played a factor here. The wind was blowing in, um, but granted, that's not the end all be all, right? You still have to play, you still have to execute, and you still have to do a good job. And I think one thing that um, a lot of Cardinal fans talked about, especially during the second inning, was frustration, right? And it's not mm -hmm. just the team's frustration. It's also Carlos Martinez's frustration because I can remember during the game, there was a moment that the camera, the TV camera kind of quickly flashed onto uh, Martinez's face and you could see it in his eyes that he was visibly frustrated. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Carlos Martinez is a head case. I'm not going to do that. I think, you know, everybody has their moments. This is a natural human reaction. Um, you see a ball misplayed in center field. You see a ball misplayed at second base. And all of a sudden, it just jumps at you and it's mm -hmm. all over your face. It happens. It's natural. But it still doesn't mean that you can't execute as well. And so when you're frustrated, you tend to leave pitches up. You're frustrated, you might miss a spot here or there. It it just happens. And I think that what you can take away from the second inning is, yeah, they had a meltdown. That's it. That's and that costs you the game. Because if they don't do that, if you if you strip that second inning away, Martinez didn't give up a run after that. And I think if there's anything to be positive about in this game, because there's not really that many, it's that Martinez actually got back on the hill and pitched well. Because without him, that game could have been really, really ugly. Because the bullpen was coming off a lot of pitches during uh, the last series. So you needed Martinez to at least go at least five. It's just unfortunate that he gave up so many runs. Yeah, and they're, you know, 
all earned, unfortunately for him. But, right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you. You know, it's, uh, you know, he did bounce back. It could have gotten, it could have went downhill real fast, but they at least needed him to go five. It'd be great to see one of the starters go six plus. Right. But, you know, to get, take some of the load off the bullpen, but um, yeah, I mean, to his credit, he came back out there and he got him through five innings. Um, you know, their offense couldn't scratch their way back, but you could argue that, you know, he at least give them a fighting chance um, through five, but you got to score to win. Yeah, and more I, often than not, you got to score more than two runs to win. Right, and and which is weird because this Cardinal offense is averaging somewhere around four to five runs a game, and and as you know, Matt Knowles and I have talked about um, as recently as this last episode too. Uh, you know, four to five runs usually will win you a game, but the problem is is that the Cardinals starters ERA is about six seven right now. So you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage if you're if you're looking at it from that lens, right? You can't justify or you cannot sustain winning a game when you know your starters are struggling to get out of five innings, you know, with potentially five to six runs also given up. Um, and you're putting a lot of pressure on the offense to, to perform, and that's just not sustainable baseball. And I know that Mike Schilt was very critical of himself, of the offense, um, you know, a couple days ago, I think maybe even yesterday. Um, but let me get back to one other positive thing that I think we should recognize, and that's Justin Williams hit his first major league home run. Um, he started the season out pretty rough, but... I've got to. I've got to be honest. I I kind of like what I'm seeing from him right now. Um, he's hitting the ball very hard. Obviously, with that home run. Uh, <clears throat> what do you make of his kind of uh, turnaround of the season early on so far? Well, um, I can't talk about Justin Williams without bringing up Tommy Edmond. Sure, uh, absolutely. Being in right field. Yeah. Right. I I I and I know other people out there get frustrated with it too, seeing our second baseman uh, starting in right field. So my thing with Justin Williams, yes, great to see him get his first major league home run. He's, he was going to get it eventually. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to see him get some more steady playing time out there. I don't quite get the logic over the last several years about, hey, let's see what we have in these guys when they're not out there consistently playing. Um, I don't know how the Cardinals ever think they're going to figure it out unless they give them a run of – at bats, a run of starts. Uh, I, I just don't understand putting an infielder in the outfield to block outfielders who you're trying to get questions answered and you have now for two plus years. You know, what do we have in this outfield? I don't know if they ever figure it out before they deal them away. Um, but I know that's not, probably not answering your question exactly, but what I think about Justin Williams is honestly, my response is why the hell am I seeing Tommy Edmond in right field? And that's not because he hasn't played right field pretty well. Um, it's not because I dislike Tommy Edmond at all. I love Tommy Edmond. I love Tommy Edmond, the second baseman right now. Um, and I, I don't know why I'm seeing him in the outfield. I, look, I, I know none of these, none of their numbers are glowing. Like none of them are eye popping, but I, I just don't know if, how they're going to ever figure it out if they don't give these guys some more steady playing time. Yeah. And it's very interesting to hear that perspective because I think a lot of us, you know, we've seen this. Um, well, when is this person going to get playing time for probably the last five to six years? Um, sure. You know, right. It, it kind of reminds me of the Randall Gritchick situation. 
when is he going to get playing time? And when does mm -hmm. he get, and when he does get playing time, what's he going to do with it? Well, the problem is, is if he only gets, you know, a handful of at bats here, plays for one week, and then all of a sudden he's not hitting right away, then he gets sat down. And I feel like Justin Williams was kind of in the same boat, right? He right. doesn't start off well. I mean, granted, he did not start off well, but all of a sudden, you know, with Tyler O'Neill going down because of injury, Tommy Edmond is now forced to play right field, which means left field is now a carousel between Justin Williams and Austin Dean, depending on which kind of uh, number matchup Mike Schilt wants to play. But right now, it looks like Justin Williams is going to be the starting left fielder for some time. So I'm very interested to see where he takes his game and if he can build on these starts. But I'm not going to be surprised when... He needs to be platooned, for, you know, whenever there's a lefty on the mound and Austin Dean needs a chance, or in the, mm -hmm. when event when the eventual happens when Tyler O'Neill comes back, because I think the Cardinals are pretty set on Tyler O'Neill being your left fielder, especially after he won his Gold Glove out there. But that that this moment is where Justin Williams needs to take it and and seize it and just run with it and do as best as you can. So I'm just happy for the guy. You know, it's you know, in a day on a day and game where nothing really was going right for the Cardinals, they had that moment and he had that moment. So I'm just really happy for him. Yeah, no, and and you have to. I always, you know, anytime a, a new Cardinal, especially a young one, a homegrown, um, makes their debut and they get their first knock or their first hit or first start, whatever it is, I'm always thrilled to see it. Um, but you mentioned something about you know Tyler O'Neill. The Cardinals seem you know hell bent on he's going to be our left field guy. I don't know how much his gold glove really weighs into that um, because it is left field. Um, <laughs> and it, it maybe we're just enamored by it because we had Ozuna out there before. He was a spectacular defensive, you know, he's just a highlight reel, um, more like a blooper reel in, in, in the making. Right. But uh, I, I'm, I'm I've never been sold on Tyler O'Neill. I know he's got his fan base out there. That's, you know, enamored with the muscles and everything else. I, I'm just not one of them has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with his performance. Right. And um, I just personally, I was done with him last year. And, you know, I know I know he showed up and did very well in spring training. Um, he did extremely well. There's nothing left for him to prove in the minor leagues, which, you know, he's out of options at this point anyway. But, um, you know, he's, he's striking out almost 50% of his at-bats. And, and I know the sample size is rather small. He only has, I think, if I looked at I remember looking at it earlier, he only has maybe 30 uh, plate appearances. So, you know, I know the sample size is relatively small, but, you know, we've seen more than just a few dozen at bats at a time from Tyler O'Neill. <clears throat> um, I, I fear for him that uh, he is eventually going to get stuck in this, this phantom zone of a 4A player. Um, I, I'd see him nothing more than, than a bench bat. Um, I, he's not my starter. And that's just, that's my own opinion. I know some people don't share that. Uh, I know he has some pop. He has some power uh, when he actually makes contact. Um, that's that's my issue with him. He's just too. Um, he hasn't he hasn't shown me enough to major league level for me to go. Yeah, he's my left fielder, fourth yeah. outfielder, fifth outfielder. Absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, so the the outfield man, we could have a whole show. I know that. we really could. We really could. I mean, it's <laughs> and of course there is that uh, very very large looming shadow of Harrison Bader um, yeah. set to make his return probably within the next month. Um, and, you know, 
it's cr- <laughs> it's crazy to think that the cardinal season as as weird as it's been he hasn't even played a game and he might be he still might be the most polarizing of the outfield play yeah. without him even having played a game yeah i know um and you know for me I feel a little bit different about Bader. Now, how, how, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm actually excited to see him back. Right. And I didn't think I would fall into that category. I, th- um, I think, is that more, but let me ask you this is that due to stability in center field, or is it just because of the relative overall negative play of the Cardinals outfield right now? And let's, let's not group Dylan Carlson into that. Because yeah, yeah. he's going to play no matter what, and he's the future. He's a fu- he's the future of the Cardinals. So let's extrapolate him out. I'm talking left sure. and right field between Austin Dean, Tyler O'Neill, and Justin Williams. Is it their play that has made you come back around and say, "Well, maybe Bader's not so bad after all"? <laughs> I'm afraid. Or is so. it That's the stability? I, yeah, no, I'm afraid the latter. What you just said. Is, is probably weighs into this more, which is why I didn't know if it was a good or a bad thing. Right. Because um, I, I think we're, you know, it, we're all, we're eager to see somebody else get a shot. You know, and I, I know I just said, hey, these guys need more consistent playing time before you know what they can actually do. Um, but, you know, we've seen Bader out there before. And I, I feel a little bit different about Bader than I ever have O'Neal because I think even if Bader is not a starter, I still think there's he's he can play a valuable role on just about any, any ball club, right? Mm-hmm. He's... He could be he could be a, a a fourth or fifth outfielder, no problem at all. You can, you know, he can be an excellent defensive replacement. Um, he can pinch run, although you know, I think uh, Kyle Reese set me straight on. Yes, he's a fast guy, but he's he's an idiot on the base paths. Um, so maybe he's not, you know, he's not there yet. The game still maybe moves a little bit too quick for him to think on the bases. But you know, with all that speed and everything, like he brings a lot more. Even when he's not hitting, he does at least bring some value to the club you know, with his defensive ability. Um, and his feet. So, you know, I, I really like him in that role, but right now, yes. I mean, it's a little bit of both what you said, but I think it's, it's, I'm looking forward to forward to him coming back probably more for your last reason. And that is because the overall play, mm-hmm. not talking to Carlson hasn't been great. Right. So, okay, let's get, is he back yet? Let's see what, let's see what happens once he gets back. Yes. And add some stability, at least to center field, you know, who's there. So your outfield is going to improve with Harrison Bader being out there. Um, period. It's going to get better. And I know Dylan Carlson, he's no slouch in center field. He's pretty right. good. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, all of our outfielders are good. Like defensively, I don't, I don't think we're, I don't think that's where the questions are. It's has everything to do with their bats. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how that may or may or may not impact the lineup once he returns. Yeah. It will be interesting in, and so much is riding on Harrison Bader's offense um, at this point that I don't think anybody questions the defense. It's it's just like you said, it's strictly about <clears throat> the bat play and whether or not that translates to a um, a major league center fielder. Because right now it's it's not. But mm-hmm. let's let's go ahead and move on to uh, to the next uh, series or to the next game in this series. Uh, because since we're talking about offense, let's. Oh, you had you had to love this game. Yeah. Oh, and I know why. I, I you know I know you know it you know it. And I'll get there. Um, <laughs> game two happens and nine four win, four home runs by the Cardinals, one by Arenado, one by DeYoung, and two from my boy, 
Yadier Molina. The offense comes alive, Ron. I mean, that's what happens sometimes. But this was just a it was just a nice game after you you know come on coming off a nine two loss. Yeah, you know that third inning is when I picked the game up on on Saturday. My both my young boys had uh, little league games uh, starting that morning and in, into the early afternoon. So by the time I got back in, you know, into the house, it was uh, just the third inning. Was, third inning was just starting. So um, yeah, it was great. You know, it was great to see the. Uh, you know, the guy that um, and I know there's only there's only a small percentage of Cardinals fans who who um, already declared, I think, up even a year ago that their best their best possible catcher wasn't even available on the roster. Speaking of Andrew Kisner, of course, <laughs> um, that, you know, there are people already waving a finger, planting a you know flag on the hill, willing to die on it, that he was their best catcher. Um, hearing, you know, rival fans, because, you know, I'm involved with sure. uh you know, some groups that are all over the National League Central and I do another podcast that's with Cub fans um, talking about the rivalry, right? And very National League Central focused. Um, you know, all, all, all of those guys are ready to write him off too. You know, once a catcher gets past 35, you know, most people are thinking now oh, they've got to be done. You know, that, that there's no long life for catchers in, in people's minds, I guess. Um, but it is a thrill seeing him doing what he's doing this year. It, it is just, it's amazing. Uh, it, it, it's went well beyond my expectations. You know, most of our expectations are he's going to, just going to lead that pitching staff and he's a team leader. Mm -hmm. Right. But he's doing it with his bat at, at, at this age, probably also one of his best starts, I would guess. I mean, I'll have everything in front of me, but, um, you know, he's batting cleanup and while most people roll their eyes that he's batting cleanup, like who the hell else are you going to bat there right now? Right. Um, I so I, I, that alone, if it was just him hitting home runs, um, <laughs> that day, it, it would have been fine, but. You know, of course, you got some, uh, you know, Paul DeYoung, who's we all know he's able to run into one every once in a while. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice seeing Arenado get off to a good start, too. Yeah. And I think you you have to ask yourself this question, right? Um, where would the Cardinals be without Yadier Molina right now? I mean, I wouldn't want to. I, I don't even. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to <laughs> think about it either. But I guarantee you, they don't have as many wins as they do. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. And it's it's just something of I don't know if it's a mo you know like one of those modern miracles right now, but Yadier Molina's play at this start of the season at this point is at such a high level that nobody could convince me otherwise that there's a better catcher in baseball right now than him. Nobody. I don't care about JT Real Muto. I don't care about Gary Sanchez. I don't care about uh, Wilson Contreras. I don't care about any of them. Don't even talk to me about Buster Posey either. Oh, jeez. But, yeah. but there is, I'm serious. There is not a better catcher in baseball right now than Yadier Molina. It's not possible. Because defensively, no one touches him. It's no one. Nobody controls a pitching staff, the run game, overall defense like Yadier Molina. And right now... There's nobody hitting better than him at, at the catcher's position. I know that. Mm -hmm. I know. I, I, and, and this is the thing, right? So yesterday, Bally Sports puts out a stat comparing Yadier Molina to JT Real Muto. And I took it and ran with it and said, tell me who the best catcher in baseball is again. And that tweet has since then taken off and gotten me 1,500 likes or whatever. But my point still is the same. Who's the best catcher in baseball? Because right now, Yadier Molina 
is producing at a very, very high level that no other catcher is producing at. The only person that has more home runs at the catcher position is Wilson Ramos, and he's playing for the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I'm just saying, like, in general play, I don't see anybody else touching Yadier right now. Yeah, I mean, you're talking overall play. I there's, it, it, I would have to be making shit up to argue with you, right? Um, because he's all around. He's he's the best catcher. Well, Philly fans are good at making shit up about it. So, well, sure, and and of course that stat comes up because they're playing each other and they're two great catchers. And this is no knock on JT. Yeah, Green, absolutely good, right? not. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great player. Great. If if Yadier were, would have retired last year, like we'd be happy to have him. We'd mm-hmm. be happy to have a lot of these guys, right? That are that are in the conversation. Wilson Contreras is definitely, from an offensive standpoint, he's, he's definitely one of the best uh, catchers, at least right now. If you're just looking at, glancing at numbers, you know, he's he's got the best, uh, you know, WRC plus, right? right? And, and it's just a few points higher than Yachty. But everybody was, you know, the league, everybody was kind of counting Yachty out. Like, gosh, at 38, you know, how's he going to keep this up? He's been, you know, trending down over the last three years. They've overpaid him, blah, blah, blah. For all this crap, right? Mm-hmm. All winter. And, um, you know, I, I, I guarantee you that if somebody were to lose their catcher at any point in time in the season and they hear that Yachty or Molina is going to replace them, they're going to be thrilled as hell. All of a sudden, they're going to be Yachty fans and nobody's going to be arguing with Tito because um, everybody wants him. But, but when you don't have him, you don't want to admit it because he's, you know, he, he does get fired up. He defends his teammates stubbornly sometimes, but he defends them. He's always there by their side. Yeah. And, um, it, 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 yeah, as an opposing fan, you understand how guys like that annoy you. Will Clark used to, annoy Cardinals fans until he joined them in 2000. And they're like, Oh, we love having Will the thrill at first base. Um, it, it's just the way it happens. You know, I, it, people hated Tony La Russa because he rubbed them the wrong way. But you know, if he, if he were to be their manager, they'd be all on board for a while. Yeah. So it, it, it is what it is, man. He's it's what a thrill we're getting to yeah. though, to, to see him uh, since 2004 when he made his debut. Mm-hmm. Um to see him his entire career. I mean, in sports these days, it's such a rarity, right? I mean, not even Tom Brady stayed with the same team. Right. Um, you know, Yankees fans were, uh, you know, treated especially because they got to see a guy like Mariano Rivera and, and Derek Jeter both began and finished Hall of Fame careers uh, with the same club. And we're getting to see it too. And in our lifetime, you know, it will likely not happen again in our lifetime. Yeah, and... Unless there's a generational talent like Molina that comes along, um, I, I don't see it happening either. And and again, at 38, right? He's going to be 39 here very, very shortly. But at 38, yeah. right, there was a stat I saw today, and, I, and I'm, you may have caught it too, that there's only one other player for the St. Louis Cardinals that have hit home runs, multi-home run games, um, older than Yadier Molina, and that was Stan the Man. And when you're in the company of Stan the Man, you're doing some really cool things, especially at 38, oh, yeah. I'll tell you that much. Um, oh, yeah. and, and let me go back and say this, because I, I, if there is a Philly fan that actually listens to this episode, I'm telling you right now, as a Cardinal fan objectively, JT Real Muto is a great catcher. There's no doubt in my mind that JT Real Muto is a great catcher. A lot of teams would love to have him. They just can't afford him, and rightfully so, because he he commands a very difficult position, probably the most difficult position in all of baseball. But 
there are a handful of catchers, not even that. There's only two catchers, in my opinion, I would actually trust with offense and defense right now. And that's Yadier Molina and Salvador Perez. Those are the only two catchers. And that is not a knock on JT Romito, I'm, I, I promise. I just believe in those two more than I do JT Romito. And I know some Philly fans were saying, like, well, he was with the Marlins, so he didn't have a supporting cast around them. Oh, please. Horse bleep. Please. Remember that team he was on? Yeah. Remember that team he was yes. on? Yes. Uh, Ozuna, Yelich, Stanton, yeah. Or when he was going. Oh, come on. Yeah. That, I don't that, hear that's, that. that's, and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, Salvador Perez didn't have anybody. Right. He had 2015. Yeah. What, 2014, 15. They had a good little run there before, you know, it it happens in small markets. And he was arguably, arguably, probably the best catcher during those two years. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Because he was doing it all. Offense, defense, he had it all. But that's what I'm saying. Those two, Yadier and Salvador, are the only two catchers I would trust my pitching staff with right now. And offensively, Whatever they need to do to do it, they do it. And I want to talk about one more thing about Yadier Molina because I know we got other topics about Game Two to talk about. I want to, you know, I'm, I love the guy, but we got to move on at some point. Uh, the evolution of a hitter is very, very special to watch sometimes. And I implore anybody who's listening to this, go watch the evolution of Yadier Molina as a hitter. And you'll see why he is one of the best clutch, best hitters in this game today. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Because when it comes to the Hall of Fame talk, that's what anybody wants to talk about. Is how, oh, Yadier Molina isn't that great of a hitter. Really? Go take a look back. Guy's a 270, 280 hitter for the rest of his career. And I'm telling you, just because he doesn't hit 300 doesn't mean he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame because I guarantee you I can find you a lot of Hall of Famers who have <laughs> yeah. not batted 280. I can guarantee you that. Or worse. Or and, worse. Um, you know, look at, uh, I don't know what Ozzie Smith's uh, lifetime batting average is, but he, he got into the Hall of Fame based on his defense, right? And he did not get into the Hall of Fame based on his bat. No. Uh, we all know this. And so um, it, it is, you, you spoke of the, uh, the evolution of, of Yachty and he was starting to get really good during Albert's last, last few years. Right. He was always a light hitting catcher before that. We knew that Um, he could come. He was a contact hitter though, which is something that I know it's icky to people that only believe in power. Um, But look for this team, the way it is right now, he's the guy I want up there. And I've said this on many of the shows I've done. He's the batter. I want up there when a player just needs moved over on the bases. Mm-hmm. Contact needs to be made. I want Yachty up there because he knows what to do. He knows what needs to be done, and he'll he'll go the other way. And, you know, he'll – yeah, he might hit into an out, but he's moving the guy over. Like, he just knows, and he'll give himself up for that stuff. And um, Look, it, it, it's situational hitting, right? This exactly, is what you're- situational hitting. He's the best they have. It, this is what, but this is what you're taught in little league, man. I mean, this this is what is so astounding to me. I don't with, teach my little leaguers that. Well, I you tell should. them to pull their head out, pull their shoulder out, uppercut, 
<laughs> what well, are you talking about? Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, what what am I thinking? I, maybe I'm just I'm just too uh, too philosophical about the game. But I, I told my I told my seven and eight year old team, look, it's it's about the hard contact percentage, guys. <laughs> oh, forget boy. this other crap. <laughs> yeah, that exit velocity at, at the yeah, little right. league level. I've got an know? app on my phone. It measures that. I measure it all game. <laughs> so, and I've and I and I'm sure you've heard me say this before in in episodes, and I say it. Uh, at times uh, in, during the games, in tweets, it's about productive outs. It's mm-hmm. about situational hitting. If you understand the game, you understand that the bunt is not the worst thing that could happen in all of baseball. Striking out is. Looking at a called third strike is the worst thing that you can do in baseball. Just ask Paul DeYoung, Matt Carpenter, Tyler O'Neill. They'll tell you. But Productive out, situational hitting, knowing the game, knowing that you need to put the ball in right field because, or push it to the right side of the infield to move the guy from second to third. Mm-hmm. That is part of hitting. Whether we, whether it becomes an, whether it becomes a hit or not, that is hitting. It is the game within the game, and I think people just fail to realize how good Yadier actually is about that. Yeah. Maybe from Cardinal Cardinal fans' perspective, we we see it, we know it, but everybody else in general, they not, they're not paying attention to that. It's like you say, they only care about the home run or the big fly, yeah. bat well, flip, it, and all this it, other stuff. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know, and we, you know, I know that that's, that's something I was going to get into eventually when we get into the Matt Carpenter thing. Sure, but, sure. Um, you know, I I believe that there's a healthy amount of even. Cardinals fans, and I, and I speak Twitter. I don't know what percentage of the fan base exists on Twitter, but there's enough of them that that do believe that, right? That the, the quality of contact is the most important thing, no matter what the result was. Sure, um, it, it's maddening to me. Um, that is, look, and I, I know I'm a little bit older, but look, I've I've rolled with changes and punches my whole life. I'm not resistant to looking at things differently. So this isn't about boomerism. Um, this is me going, you know, this over 50% of the time, what happens in a game, Tito, is a walk, strikeout, or home run. Okay. Yeah. Three true And I'm going to say this three right true now. Outcomes. It's not as interesting to me. It's really not. Um, I just don't find it entertaining. I think the pace of the play is, is actually slower um, because everybody's focused on that. There are some people that just aren't happy unless you have a one through eight in your order that do nothing but mash the ball when they do. My big beef with these people is when they do, right? So you can throw out exit velocity and hard hit percentage all the hell you want. How often does it happen, right? I could have the league's best exit velocity because I had one hit and I struck out 99 other times. Or, well, look at his exit velocity. Like, come on, there's got to be a way to balance this out. I mean, what do your eyes tell you, right? You can you can say that the Cardinals have, like, what, Schilt did it. He just did it. He did it during a press conference, kind of unprompted. He just went on a, a two-minute, not, I'm not going to say rant, because I can't even imagine Mike Schilt ranting. I don't, right. know what, I don't know what a Mike Schilt rant would actually sound like. But, um, you know, he's, he's talking about the hard hit percentage of, uh, of the team is, is number one in the league, hard hit percentage. And we're number four in exit velocity. You probably heard this, right? This yeah. is a clip. I think Absolutely. Jeff Jones might have put it out. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, so what does that net you? That nets you a seven and eight record. 
and you've got the 16th best offense in the league if you go off weighted runs created plus. Right. You know, so all of that, that's, this is the result, right? And, I, and I'm sorry, but I lean more towards the result than the potential of doing something better, right? I, I actually look at the result of this. And so to me, it is boring for me to, to, to focus on stats like that. It's boring as hell. And I know it's not to some other people and it's not to disparage them in their efforts, but if I have to look for numbers, Tito, to convince myself that somebody's better than what their line slash line shows, mm-hmm. I, I don't buy that. Yeah. I, and I, and I think there is, I like how you say boomerism and all the only thing I can think <laughs> of is our, when, uh, when Gene asked, uh, what did he ask in the, twi- in our chat group? Uh, a couple weeks ago, he said, what is this? And uh, Matt Knowles responded with a gift saying boomer alert. And I, that's all yeah, I can think yeah, about. That's right. That's right. It was, uh, damn, I forgot what it I was. Know. Yes, I know. It just yeah. made me laugh so hard. I was just like, oh, poor Gene. Because <laughs> uh, he's talking a bunch of millennials in there too. So, But I, I, I have to agree with you. And, and look, I'm of the younger generation, right? But I see the game in two different lenses too. I like analytics to a certain point, not that when it's convenient for me, but in a sense of the way you're talking, right? Because this is a results-oriented game. It's about, the the at the end of the day, who won that game? And did you execute what you needed to do? Whether or not you had a 115-mile-an-hour off the bat like Shohei Otani or 99-mile-an-hour or whatever. Oh, you, Shohei Otani. Uh, yeah, so let me get into that after you're done. Yeah, so... Uh, there is this lost, I think this is becoming a lost concept of the eye test, right? Um, A lot of sports people know what, when you say, oh, did he meet the eye test or did he pass the eye test? You know what that is. And and right now I think there is this, this lack of belief in that eye test at times. Like right now, if you were to ask me, does Harrison Bader meet the eye test? I'd tell you no. And I don't need the statistics to tell me that. And I already know the statistics back me up, back me up because it's just not happening. Yep. And a lot of people would say the same thing about Dylan Carlson. Is he meeting the eye test? Maybe. But he hasn't played that many games. But if you go off of Yadier Molina and you say, okay, does he meet the eye test? There's no, there's unequivocally a yes to it. So there is this... I don't know if it's a lost art of or if it's a lost belief in the eye test of seeing, believing kind of thing. But I, I get it. I just uh, I'm kind of like you. I'm kind of in this phase where it's like, OK, great. Analytics are there, but I just want to watch the game and appreciate the game for what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, I think we're we're just going to trade hats. Yeah. We need to talk about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there is value in analytics, right? And, but I believe I, I always believe that it's going to be a marriage, a perfect marriage of um, what do your eyes tell you? You know, what does the result tell you? And with a mixture of analytics. Right. But I, I just see all too often, I see too many people rely too heavily on one side or the other. I agree. And um, again, if I, it's like sitting here, it's like explaining a joke, Tito. If you have to explain it, it's not funny, no. right? And if I have to talk myself into if I have to go looking for a number to convince myself a player's better, he's not. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it is. Right. So uh, look, I can't, I can't fail on a sales pitch at work and go, yeah, but God, look how hard I prepared. Yeah. 
it, it, the result was I didn't get it. Sure. I didn't get the deal. And um, boy, I wish it, I wish I could pull that card at work, right? Yeah, I think anybody would. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's I really I don't have anything more to say about it. It's just kind of yeah, you know, it, it's it, for it, for me, it's you know, and I've heard somebody say you know a little bit more extreme stuff like, hey, all this stuff sucks the joy out of the game. Um, I'm not gonna go as far as it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go as far as to say something like that. Um, cause I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe it, it does. It, it can, if you let it. Um, but there is something about dehumanizing players in the game. Like, like looking at them, like I can substitute that human being for a set of numbers. Right. There's something that like to some people that just don't, I, I don't believe that because human beings can make a different decision on any given day and they could throw you off. So you could have a book and you could say, Hey, look guys, I know your baseball DNA right here. I got it off fan graphs or I got it off baseball savant. I know exactly how you're going to be. Um, humans can change their mind. Um, now maybe athletes get there too routine. Maybe it's harder. Um, you know, it's harder to change habits. I, I, I get that. Um, it's harder to change tendencies, but you're able to do it. And so I think when we hear too much about spin rate, you know, barrel rate you know this is what this guy is you know this is what we're going to pay him based on numbers i think it's for some people like guys just you know how can you classify people in such a rigid fashion um and and, and we just don't want to believe that that's real right yeah. there is some truth to it but it's not everything and and i think that's what i think the go to organizations at, at at some point in time you're going to see the I, I i think at some point in time my hope is you'll see a perfect blend of scouting in traditional fashion and, and you'll see analytics both used in, 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 in a way that improves this game. Now, Tito, here's the bad news. And this is just my theory. It's going to take a long time. Of course. It's going to take a long time because there's been a generation of players that have been taught differently than what I was and, and differently than what um, probably even you were. Mm -hmm. And, and so this, this swing porn era, as I call it, um, it will end at some point and we'll get back to people not afraid to hit the ball the other way because they've got to move a runner over. Um, I believe that, that that style of baseball will return. And it's not just because it's the kind I grew up with and I think it's the best, but it was way more entertaining than what we're seeing today. Strategy, yeah, situations, mm -hmm. things that kept the game moving, that kept it interesting, inning over inning. It will return at some point. And so let, let's go ahead and transition into uh, game three because I, I, I want to talk about the situation that the Cardinals offense faces at this point in time because right now it's a very feast or famine approach, right? Game yeah. two, you have nine, nine runs, um, and then game three today, <laughs> zero. And, and this is not unlike the national series where the Cardinals score – you know, what was it, 14, 15 runs, and then all of a sudden, goose egg next day. Um, so you have to ask yourself, you know, what is it with this feast or famine approach right now? Because right now the Cardinals, as you said, 16th ranked offensive, you're talking about weighted runs created plus, right? Mm -hmm. Generally, if you find yourself in the middle of the pack, you're at 500 record, and that's where they are. But right. the problem is, is that cannot happen every single day. You cannot go out there and you can't, you cannot win a series if you're going to say, you know what, game one, I'm taking the night off, but game two, give me the turkey, as uh, Derek Gould said earlier in a tweet. And then game three said, you know what, I'm too stuffed. Let me take my nap. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great analogy. It's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, today was, uh, if you were excited to watch uh, a game today and, and you managed to sit through the whole thing, you're probably pretty disappointed, right? Um, uh, not satisfied whatsoever. Um, I said, I think, earlier that, God, is this really going to happen? Are they really going to, you know, have uh, their version of a 2021 offensive explosion by putting up nine and then really getting blank the next day? I, I know Nola's a good pitcher, right? And he, yeah, he did. He threw a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you manage, you can only muster with your will two hits against Aaron Nola. We are not talking about Clayton Kershaw here. You know, we're not talking about Jacob deGrom. We're talking Aaron Nola. When you can only muster two hits against Aaron Nola, good luck. I mean, we're all going to know the result of that. Uh, I will say, though, that, um, you know, John Gant had a good game. You know, he, he gave them every chance to get back into it. I think they held on to him for as long as they could, at least by keeping him into the game. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just so frustrating, Tito. You know, in, you know, they had that one big inning on Saturday. You take that inning out of there um, and you look over the last three or four games, you know, this is uh, offenses. It has some problems. It has some, it has some major problems. Yeah. And Matt Knowles and I have been discussing the lineup, time and time again it seems like every episode we probably spend like 15 minutes on just the lineup um you know there's not really much to say outside of something has to change uh, i don't know what it is but there is a lot of concern at least in my eyes that this feast or famine approach um has played itself out pretty much for three straight series you had this ha- you know you had it happen yeah. in in, Milwa- in the Milwaukee series um not I guess not so much but you put you put up some runs but the other two games you really didn't then the national series comes along you put up a bunch of runs and the other two games you didn't then the same thing happens here mm-hmm. you put up a bunch of runs and then the other two games you really didn't I mean, and I said this in this last episode uh, on Turn and Two was every time the Cardinals lose, it's big. Every time they win, it's big. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's very and like today is is the anomaly where where you have a game that is still winnable. Gant pitched great. Yeah, he gave up a huge moonshot to Bryce Harper. Man, was that thing blasted! Oh my God! It, how? how and, and I'll say this about like I, I'm, I, I'm not not a fan of Harper, and I'm not a fan of Harper. I just like he's a good player. Yeah. Um, they were showing just the replay of his swing. Like, holy God! I mean, yeah, it, he, what a pretty looking he he swing squared, that is, he squared right? it up and said thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he should have. Yeah, and he should have. Yeah. So um, outside of that and the other run that they scored, John Gate gave you Gant gave you every bit of a reason to win that ball game. The only issue is, is they couldn't hit. No, they couldn't do it. No semblance of offense. They mustered two hits. Um, Yachty had one of them. <laughs> of yeah. course, so, you know, you, of course. You, you know, you know, he showed up to play today. Sure. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean. You know, as as much as as I've barked about the lineups and everybody else has barked about the lineups, like nobody performed today, so it really didn't matter where Schilt penciled anybody in today. Like the result was going to be what it was, right? Yeah. Like not starting Matt Carpenter today and starting say Sosa instead of Carpenter on the infield, 
I don't think it was going to really change the result too much today. Just none of them, they couldn't string anything together. Um, none of their at-bats were particularly interesting. Um, you said something at the beginning um, about the Cardinals averaging four to five runs, right? Mm-hmm. I know that statistically that's correct. In reality, it's not. It doesn't <laughs> because, feel that way. I'll tell you no, that No, because much. they're stacking all those runs up in a single game. Yeah. And just what you said before, you know, just a moment ago, you know, they're two out of three games in the series and are not scoring anything. So, yeah, they've they've uh, they've compiled some uh, some runs over big wins, um, but that four or five game four or five runs per game average really doesn't feel that way at all, right? No, yeah. and, and and I think that's a that's a good way to put it, right? It just it just doesn't feel that way, um, and and I want to transition into this because this is uh, another negative thing from this. Um, outside of the Cardinals losing these last three series. I'm going to throw this statistic at you because um, it's almost hard to believe it, but this is the legit truth when I tell you that the Cardinals only have one quality start from their starting pitchers in 15 games. And that was Gant, right? No, Flaherty. Okay, it was, he, he went so so the the, the, only, the metric for this is six innings, right? Six, like at so a yeah, so the quality start is six innings, three earned runs or less. Right. And, Gant, or, and Flaherty is the only starter to have reached that point. Okay. For some reason, I was thinking it was Gant, but um, nope, he didn't make it into. He hasn't made it into the sixth yeah. in any of his starts. Fifteen games in, that is incredible, and it, you know. It's it's incredible, but it's also not that shocking. And no. I'll explain why. It, it you know in a truncated 2020 year, um, I'm not surprised that starters are are getting pulled quicker in 2021 uh, because that workload wasn't there in 2020. And then you know you you throw on top of that the key injuries to Hudson and and Michaelis and even Kim. You know as we started out, I'm not terribly shocked that it, the number is really small to you though, but I am shocked that it's only one. Yeah. I, you would think at this point that at least a couple of these games, they could do it. But right. It just hasn't been there. And, and, and speaking of Kim, right. I'm glad he's back. That will surely strengthen the rotation. No doubt in my mind. However, I have a bone to pick with his use. If, if he throws a 91 pitch simulated game, why is he getting pulled in the third? Why would he get pulled after uh, three innings? I, I don't know. The only the only explanation that I can think of off the top of my head is that um, you know they saw something they didn't like, um, and that very well may be the case. Th- but then he's not a starter. Later, then he's I not a Gould, starter. Yeah, I think Gould tweeted later that they only they were going to limit him to seventy five pitches regardless, and I think he got close-ish to that number enough to where they, they thought they would just pull him. But and that uh, three, is, innings, and that three is innings the, from a starter is not what you would expect. No, and but that is the that is the starting pitching in a nutshell. Right there, yeah. right, yeah. right there with that stat that you just said. 75 pitches is where his pitch count was. He hit that in the third inning. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and that's, <laughs> the third that, that in, was, by three innings, he hit 75 pitches. That's not good enough. No, that's terrible. And, you know, Ponce only got his what one start. Um, Ponce de Leon. Uh-huh. That's always been my issue with him, and, I, and it, I swear, I know, I know it's probably not right, but every time he'd be in a game, I'd just look up and like, shit, how many? How has he racked up all these pitches already? I know. 
um, which I, I knew he wasn't going to last a starter. And I knew he was just a stopgap anyway until they got some guys off the IL. Um, but I was not a fan of him being anointed into the rotation because this is this, that's who he is. He's going to throw a ton of pitches. He's never going to get you to the fifth. Yeah. Um, unless he's just in a zone. Um, it's just not him. We know this. And, and that's the thing. Like, that could be the theme of this show. Like, we know him by now. Right. And, and that's what we're going to get. So, yeah. So I'm looking at KK's stat line three innings pitched, five hits. You know, that's eh, pretty typical for a starter, I think. Three earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts. So he had four strikeouts, one walk. That's not too bad. The three earned runs, I think, uh, I think that those came off a home run, I think, from the Phillies or a couple of doubles. So, I mean, I, I guess I understand, but three innings just doesn't feel right, especially if... It feels like a playoff start. Yeah, not even that. It feels like a start right? that he had in uh, 2020. Right. Well, or a playoff start where you're like, ah, we're going to, we know we're going to go with uh, uh, our, our long relief guy quickly. And uh, this guy just pitched three days ago. So we're only going to, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's 2021. It's, it's going to be kind of odd until we get some semblance of a full rotation back. Um, but we do, uh, to your point, though, we've, we've got to start seeing um, the top of the rotation start to get into the sixth or beyond. We have to. They, they cannot keep going to the bullpen this much. Look, the more you go to the bullpen, the more likely you are to run into a guy who's just off. Yeah. You cannot keep going out there because those guys aren't going to be able to pull, you know, a hula hoop out of their butt every time to get people out. They're gonna, you're going to run into a guy. The more, the more you tap into it, the more likely you're going to run into a guy or two that are just going to be off. And, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a risk. Now, the Cardinals' bullpen has been a strength for them the last couple of years. Yep. Um, it, it has been thin slightly, right? Because we've had to move some guys into the rotation that probably wouldn't normally be there. Um, but to their credit, you know, there's always, there's always options, right? They're, they're never, it appears except for the rotation at this point. Gosh, how long has it been since the Cardinals, we've been in panic mode over their pitching. It's been a while. I'll it feels you, like. But, I, but I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm kind of in a panic mode. <laughs> You're panicking? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess I should The truth is, say, we don't know what we're going to get in Michaelis back, right? No. Like, and I think he comes that, back, we have no idea. I think that's the whole point, though. It's that you have a lot of uncertainty still in this rotation. And uh, look, 15 games isn't a lot. But when you are, tr- when you are playing these especially these games against possible contenders for playoff spots, every yeah. little bit matters. Every little game or every little pitch matters. Um, it's, it's like this next series that's coming up, and we're going to get to a preview of it. The, this is the last time they're going to see the Nationals until the playoffs, should both of these teams get there. You know what? For me, thank God. And I agree with you because I'd rather not play them anymore. Well, I don't want them to play them, Tito. And I know you brought it up before. Maybe you were going to save me a little segment for it if you were kind enough. But uh, I, I, I get blacked out against Washington. <laughs> so I, I'm glad they're done with them. But I, I tell you what, April's been brutal. I'll save it. But yeah, April's been brutal. It, it's, it's a tough stretch of games. I mean, again, I said it a couple of, of uh, episodes ago. Brewers, Nationals, Phillies, Nationals, and then the Reds. All all those teams that I just named are in the hunt for the playoffs. They will be. And, and again, it's not that the Cardinals, you know, 
sure, they're, they're not doing great right now. They're not playing as well as we had hoped that they mm-hmm. would start out to. But again, every little bit matters in April. And every game one is just as important as game 162 at the final on the final day. You just don't know how desperate you are until 162 happens. Right. Well, that's the that's the magic of the sport. You hear, that's right. you hear people you hear people say it all the time. Over over 162 games, usually you, you wash all the things like good luck, bad luck out. Um, the teams that shouldn't be there usually aren't, and the teams that are your true best eight teams are usually in the playoffs. Yeah. By the time you go through that many games, it usually washes all the nonsense out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why 2020 was so interesting because I knew you're going to have one or two that sneak in there that probably wouldn't have over a full schedule. Uh, Brewers being one, a sub 500 team making the playoffs. Like Marlin, you're not going to see that. And the Marlins. Don't forget <laughs> right, about the them. Marlins. Like you're, you're not going to see that over 162 games, no. thankfully. So let, let's 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 close out the chapter in Philadelphia. You know, a series loss, third in a row. Let's close that out, and let's let's go ahead and look forward to. But, but can, can I just ask yeah, you go just ahead. One, one thing, one thing more. Yeah. Can we talk about the lineup just for a second? Oh yeah, that's fine. Because I know you guys have, but I have not been able to discuss it with you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't want to rehash a bunch of territories. If I am, you can you can you can, move, you can move me on quickly. Um, I. Normally, like when we play a full schedule like this, I don't know where you're, I don't know what date or how many games have to be played before you kind of know. Um, for me, it's for no scientific reason whatsoever. It's just alchemy. Usually about 40 games in, about quarter of the way through the season is when I kind of look at things and go, okay, kind of know what, what we have at this point, right? When you get 25% of your, your season done, everybody should be in full swing. Should be no more rust left. Everybody's timing's back, and you kind of know what you're capable of. Um, so I don't know what that magic date is for you, but for me, it's always been about forty games. That's why I'm trying not to panic too much. Um, but I have never been so eager for them to to start call, uh, for them to say, "Okay, we're going to have a come to Jesus talk about this lineup," because uh-huh. this is not how we're going to do it going forward. Like. I've said many times, I'm not going to say it again. I have defended Matt Carpenter as the person, right? That he's always done everything that the organization has ever asked him to do. He's switched positions. He's batted in different places in the lineup. He's done everything they've asked him to. He's had a good career. There is no justifiable reason why he continues to start. There isn't whatsoever. And and you can argue it statistically, uh, historically, it just there's no argument for the reason why that guy is still being put in the lineup. Batting fifth, batting fifth. It's just lineup malpractice. It is just like somebody please explain it to me in a way that I can actually accept it because I just can't. I, I'm so frustrated with Mike Schilt's pen. I want to take his damn pen away. Yeah. <laughs> and I <laughs> You're catching it on a good time because, um, you know, we talked about, Matt Knowles and I talked about, you know, Mike Schilt's decision-making up to this point. And so let me start with where my magic number is. For no scientific reason also, it's a month. I don't really know why, but I don't even look at it in terms of how many games. It's Mm -hmm. a month. 
the first month of the season, you should know what kind of team you have. Um, barring injury, I should say. Because that would play a role in a normal season anyway. But that plays a significant role, especially if it's a significant player. Like, let's say Yadier Molina's out for the entire yeah. month of April. They're probably sitting at you know three and <laughs> three and eleven or you know three and twelve right now, right? Um, so if it was significant injury, that's a different story. But my personal belief is, by the time a month come a month of the season goes by, you should know who your starters are and what your lineup should be. And this is where Mike Schultz's decision making really is is becoming of more critical importance because you should be winning this division not not so much handily but you should have a pretty strong grasp on it. And granted you're not playing you haven't played that many uh, you've only played two teams from your division. But guess, guess what? Those two teams are also winning, and they're ahead of you in the standings. Granted, by uh, and, they don't, and they don't look as bad as what we want them to either. No, um, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Because the I'll Brewers tell you what, the, really Brewers, good. the Brewers pitching looks better than ours. It, it doesn't, and and I was impressed by Burns. I, I, oh. I, where did this guy show? I know he's been there, right? I, I, I'm in my – sometimes I get locked in my own little St. Louis sure. silo too, and I don't look around. I'm like, holy crap, who's this guy? And I was yeah. looking for – well, he's been around, but, you know, he looked, <laughs> looked really good. Two, two starts, 10 strikeouts in each game. He's gone 12 innings and uh, one run. That's yeah. – <laughs> you'll take that any day, right? So Mike Shields' decision-making with this lineup is coming to a crossroad of – and I hate to say it this way, does he know what he's doing – Right. Or yeah. is he still trying to figure this out? Well, my question, I, I even threw it out on Twitter today, was, um, I, I, you know, all of us want to believe that the lineup's up to the manager. Sure. He doesn't get a, he doesn't get a call from the front office. You know, Mo or Gersh don't go down there and say, hey, let me see what you wrote down. And I'm going to make an adjustment for you. I, like, I don't believe that happens. Not But I do chance. believe there are conversations that happen that say, hey, look, you need to give this guy every chance you can to get right. Right. We've spent 18 million, 20 million dollars on him. Um, you know, we need to ultimately ask, get the question answered. Like, does he have anything left at all? Any value? And, um, I don't know. I'm speculating, man. I have no inside information on this stuff sure. whatsoever, but like, I just can't help but to believe that nobody can, nobody can consciously keep putting him in there unless it's a personal relationship or, <laughs> Or he's had, and I mean personal relationship, like, you know, look, he's been in the organization forever. Schultz probably knew him since, you know, he, he was drafted and came sure. up. Yeah. That's that's what I mean by that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so you might have a human tendency to, like, want to give them every chance they can possibly have. Um, I just believe, Tito, it's it's went so far past the, the, the sane reason to keep him, keep putting him as out there as a starter. I think it's gone way past that. And so I've got to believe that Schultz, can he be this nuts or be this inept or has a conversation been had like, no, you're going to keep him out there at least until the X date or X time or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know the answer. These are all guesses, man, but there's gotta be something more to it. Cause I cannot believe that any human, especially that's been around baseball and involved as much as he is way more than us. Like we only see what the TV shows us. Right. So, but I tell you what, there's a point here where, okay, 
I've seen everything I've seen. So what are you holding back there? You got some kind of information that he's going to bust out like he did in 2018 or something, because none of us are seeing it. So I don't care how much more, you know, I don't care if you bunk with him. Right. You can't possibly be telling me that he belongs in the lineup and especially fifth in that order. I I just, it's beyond reason for, I I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to think. I I didn't even know how I would defend this guy in court. Tito. Yeah. I, Look, when it comes to Matt Carpenter and why he's playing, I'm going to give you the best defense that I can, right? Because that's that's what I'm known for. It's just trying to find the exact reasoning for this. If you say hit percentage, I'm going to. I'm just going to log. <laughs> if you hard for, contact percent, I'm, I'm 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 out. No, fortunately okay. for the both of us, I won't say it, so I'm left alone for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I. As, and this is going to probably sound crazy to you, though. I truly believe the reason why Matt Carpenter is playing right now is because Mike Schilt truly believes with him in the lineup and at least playing second base, that is the Cardinals' best chance to win. I, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm I stand by what I'm saying right now, and I firmly believe he truly thinks that that is the best way or best move forward. I, I know, and I know that it sounds bad, but, and I'm going to put it to you this way, Matt Carpenter is not hitting. Guess who else is not hitting? There are the a few out, others. The outfield. Yeah. And that is why, and that particular reason why, Carpenter is playing. Because if the outfield is not hitting, then you have to do something. Well, that something is, unfortunately, Tommy Edmond going into right field. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Edmond has been on record saying that he will only play right field because that's the most comfortable he is. And look what he did today. He yeah, almost made nice t- he had a, yeah. he, against the wall. And then the next bat, he, batted ball he gets, he almost throws a guy, Gene Segura out at second base. And he's not even an outfielder. Yeah, it, uh, look, you're you're right, right? Um, if the outfield has been that poor where you have to move your most versatile guy out there, because uh, honestly, out of all the infielders, you, Tommy Edmonds really the only choice you're going to put in the outfield. Right. Right? You're not going to take your shortstop out. No. Uh, you're not going to take Paul DeYoung out unless you were going to move Edmond to short. Um, but I think what I would like to see, Tito, um, and it, maybe it's a terrible idea, and I know that uh, is a versatile infielder, um, so if you're, you're going to put Tommy Edmond out in right field, okay, let's try uh, let's try somebody else at second base. Sure, right? some, somebody that at least makes some contact that would make more sense to me. And and you know put Sosa at second. Um, shit, put somebody else at second. I, I don't know that any. I don't know if they have any other options for the infield, but um, I might be missing somebody in my brain. Here, no, but. you're not because, and I'm and I'm because I'll stop you there because I I, I know. That this is where this is where this buck, and you're probably gonna flip out when I say it, is, uh, <laughs> and Gene would. I might. Gene Gene would definitely be in his grave when I say this. This now becomes a a question about veterans, right? And your mm-hmm. veterans getting the opportunity to play before certain other people, especially like Edmundo Sosa, who is, you know. What has he shown us, really? Not really much else. So are you really going to get that much better with Edmundo Sosa than Matt Carpenter? 
the the obvious answer is well you never know if you don't play him but yeah. i'm telling you that's not how mike Schilt works because there is a little bit of loyalty and there is a little bit of veteranship that goes along in these things and you can't blame mike Schilt for that yeah, no, it's not that's, mike that's Schilt's a, fault that yeah. there's a 20 million dollar price tag on Mac, Mac no Carpenter. it's no no it's certainly not and i don't i don't think he's he's making a lineup based on salary no um, and i don't either but there, that does play a factor, and, yeah, but, and it's well, the, just the, the, the unfortunate thing part. that you're speaking of, though. That's exactly what I just, you know, I said a little while ago. Is that, you know, he's probably known Matt Carpenter for over a decade, yeah, personally, right? And so, your natural human instinct is to kind of default to, um, you know, I badly want this guy to succeed. And I want to give him a chance. I'm going to give as many opportunities as possible, as long as we're not too far underwater, right? So, um, you and, know, look, the, and, and the, I think the that's fired what... up. The Sorry. fired up side of me is can't reason with it. Um, <laughs> that what, you know, when you take a breath, come down, you're like, yeah, you get why it's happening. And we still don't agree with it, but it, that's, you, you know, I, I agree. I, I think you're right um, that it's, it's not one factor. It's many. And, you know, look, the truth is you've said it. There aren't a lot of other great options to throw out there right now. Cause no. there's not a lot of performance that, that we've seen. If the all, if the outfield was playing, this isn't even a conversation. Sure. No, it's not. Yeah. Edmonds every every day. He's a sucker. Yeah, and he is. The, look, and I don't think Cardinal fans need to worry about whether Tommy Edmonds going to actually be in right field for the remainder of the season. That's not going to happen. What? Because guess what? As we talked about earlier, there's that looming shadow in the outfield that is going to be coming back <laughs> yeah. in Harrison Bader, and he will be your everyday center fielder which means Dylan Carlson will be your right fielder, which means Edmund will be your second baseman. It will go back to normal. But you have to ride this out because there's no other option. And we can talk about whether Matt Carpenter deserves to be on the field because of his performance, yada, yada, yada. Guess what? Buck up, buttercup, because this is what you get. <laughs> there will be a nuclear meltdown if... Carlson ends up in left field. Edmund uh, ends up in right yeah. field. Carpenter is still at second base. Yeah. Oh, no. And, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, when Katie Wu is, you know, great writer, she's been fantastic oh, she's, she's on been Twitter. Fan. She's been, she has been the best acquisition of the right. season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when she, you know, she presented that question, it's like, you know, if Matt Carpenter hits a home run, will this app shut down? It's like, yeah, pretty much because everybody doesn't think it's going to happen. And of course, the day I don't call him hitting a home run, he actually does it. Um, and everybody's like, oh boy, here we go. Now he's going to get a bunch of playing time. Well, yeah, because there's no other option. Like, no, I just don't yeah, know what people expect at this point. Yeah, no, no. And that is a fact, right? There, There's not like somebody that's being suppressed and held back because they're they're performing when the few chances they have had and, and their obvious answers. Like I, I admit this much that they're, there are no obvious fixes sitting no. there on the bench that you can just pencil in, right? right. But and I would like to see him try something different because 0 for 3 with three strikeouts on a day like today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and look, not, man. And not to mention this because I, – I, and I want to throw this point out there. When people tell me, oh, well, let's try John Nagowski in left field. Look, they did that when Matt Adams. They're not going back to it. <laughs> <laughs> you could have signed – here's the thing, though. That I, I know this has nothing to do with necessarily with what we're talking about. I guess it does have to do with the outfield, though. You know, there were a couple options out there, Tito. I'm not saying they were they were great. Yeah. Um, but would you have been uh, annoyed with them picking up Kyle Schwarber on a one year pillow contract, or or uh, David Dahl, or just or, somebody, or, or Jock Peterson, 
or Jacques P. He's not off to a great start, but yeah, yeah. so that's another name. I know, I know my my co-host on Ruffle Feathers, Jim Ball. He was he was in the Jock Jock Peterson corner. I didn't want um, him. Um, I look no. The answer is no because um, at least you have tangible, um, hard, concrete data to go off of versus the relative unknown that you are facing right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it comes down to, right? And they and here's the thing. Cardinal fans need to come back to reality here a little bit. They told you exactly what they were doing with this outfield from the very beginning. Oh, sure. Yeah. And and I think people are now starting to realize like, well, shit, it really wasn't that great. Well, yeah, they told you they were going to be (laughs) pulling these things out. Like it's not, it wasn't very difficult to, you know, link those two thoughts together. But the problem is, is you expect them to do something because they're professional hitters. They are professional baseball players. And again, I I go back to this thing about DeYoung, right? Because of the lineup. Um, And we haven't even talked about him, but if you can't hit a 93 and he did it today, again, if you cannot hit a 93 mile an hour fastball down the middle as a professional baseball player, you need to get your eyes checked, man. You got to do something different because there's no reason for you not to be able to hit that ball. He did it again today, and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, what is he doing? I don't get it. Gosh, I've just felt that way with so many of the players, though. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, and I don't know if it's Jeff Albert telling him you need to take more pitches or whatever. I, look, when you've got two strikes on you and you can't catch up to a fastball, it's not the approach at that point. No, I, I don't think it is either. I think it's, it's his head so screwed up that he's guessing constantly and just got fooled because he he has the ability to hit a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball. We've seen him do it before. And so, I, Look, Tito, he, without knowing any better, without without having a personal conversation with him, he's he's guessing and he guessed wrong. And, it you know, what when you don't think a fastball is coming and it comes – that 93 mile an hour fastball probably seems like 102 mile an hour Jordan Hicks. And, and, the, and the thing is, is this is, and this is very like, I say this, obviously I'm a, you know, being an armchair manager and I know nothing about hitting a professional baseball player's pitch. But the fact of the matter is, is if you can hit 96 off of Craig, Kim, Craig Kimbrell in oh. <laughs> July, yeah. you can hit a 93 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. Don't don't kid yourself here. Yeah, this is why to me it's it's not about I don't I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with with Paul DeYoung's eyesight. I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that the organization physically tests these guys constantly oh, to absolutely. see if they need anything like that. So to me, it's just his head's just all over the place, and he's probably guessing and guessed wrong and and got fooled. Right? He, yeah. If somebody snuck a fastball, we see it happen all the time in baseball where somebody's thinking off speed and they're up there guessing and then they get something right down the heart of the plate and freeze. Can't do it. Yeah. Or you just, you know, can't hit it. Absolutely. Okay. Preview time for the next series. Again, we, as we've said earlier in the show, it's, it's against the nationals who we are very happy to get this probably over with too. Um, so let's, let's go over game one probable probables. Um, you've got Jack Flaherty versus Joe Ross. We saw Ross last time. Um, he looked very, very good. Um, shut the Cardinals down through, I think, five innings of, uh, of work for him. Flaherty also coming off a really great game. Uh, one run ball, six innings pitched. You know, that one quality start I talked that about. One, the one, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, 
I'll save my thoughts for the entire series later. So game two, you've got Adam Wainwright versus Patrick Corbin. Um, and right now, neither pitcher I would trust with a lot. Um, I might give the slight advantage to Wainwright because he looks a little bit better. But Patrick Corbin blew up against the Arizona Diamondbacks earlier this week. Um, it didn't, club. Yeah, it, it did not look good. Um, and then game three, you have Carlos Martinez versus Max Scherzer. So um, Cardinals getting a taste of Max Scherzer in the finale. I got to say this, as bad as, as uh, the Cardinals looked this last three series, I don't think it gets much better. I still think they maybe win game two, but I wouldn't be surprised. And... <laughs> Gosh, I I really wouldn't be surprised if they lose all three. I'm not gonna. I I'm just I'm a little negative right now, but that's yeah. where I'm at. Well, get in line, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't be surprised either. Look, I, even though Corbin his numbers look terrible, he has like a over 21 ERA, mm -hmm. right? Like only a couple starts. So let's be fair. But, yeah. Um, like what are the chances he's gonna he's gonna get blown up at some point in time in any given year and it just happened to be within the first two games and he's right. got this ballooned ERA right so uh, in typical Cardinal fashion if they sneak if they were to sneak a win out of game one mm -hmm. and um, face a, a, a twenty one point whatever ERA from Patrick Corbin they're probably gonna get shot out by him I mean it just wouldn't shock me at all yeah and then. And then you face uh, Scherzer in Game Three, who should be a Cardinal, by the way. So yeah. pisses me off. Um, I'd say best case scenario, they come out of this one with one win. Um, I think I I wouldn't be shocked at all, Tito. To your point, if you know they're running into good pitching this entire series, um, at least Kate, uh, potentially good pitching this entire series. Um, I'm not going to judge Patrick Corbin on two starts. Nope. Um, but. Yeah, I, I look for me. Uh, I tell you what. Here, here's what I'll do. I'll call you after each game because sure. I can't watch them because I'm blacked out against uh, DC. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't watch any of them. And and by the way, it gets even better, Tito. I can't watch the Cincinnati series. Wow. Because they're blacked out in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, it's just a short seven-hour drive away to Cincinnati, so they should be in this market. No big like, deal. Like they should lay claim to Charlotte, North Carolina. That's seven hours away by car. I guess if you know Bob Euchre was telling you, if you really step on it, it might be five and a half hours. Wow. Um, so I cannot watch the Cardinals live, Tito, for one week. A week from tomorrow is the first game I'll be able to watch them live again. Um, that's with my fully paid. Uh, MLB.tv subscription that I've given them my money for 10 straight years since I've lived out here, since I was relocated. And um, I couldn't be any more pissed at Major League Baseball for this. Um, when you're trying to appeal to a younger generation who, who, you know, switches to streaming, yeah, which many of us have, and you make it next to impossible to watch your team, even when they pay a premium with your uh, out-of-market, quote-unquote, I use air quotes with that, out-of-market right. package, um, it's complete horseshit. It really is. Uh, the fact that 26 games will, will have been played in April by the time we're done with the month, where I'm at in Charlotte, North Carolina, 12 of those 26 games will have been blacked out. I cannot watch the Reds. I cannot watch the Nationals. I, I Luckily, with my YouTube TV subscription, at least Bally Sports South carries the Braves. I can watch them play the Braves. Woohoo! But there's... Automatic, I know, we're great. 
Um, I'll actually be going to that series in June. Very cool. When they, when they play Atlanta. Um, but to me, it's like my interest has really been lukewarm at best in the game. Start in, in, the, in the month of April, first month of the season, it's been lukewarm. And I can look directly at the blackout restrictions they put on those things and go, that's it. That's why, because I'm not able to watch. Right. Yeah. And it's been brutal, man. It's been brutal. So um, I'll listen to the radio. I can get the radio version on the MLB.tv app. Um, you know, that, that comes with a subscription. Uh, but that's, look, that's how I lived my childhood, right? I could really only watch them live when they're playing the Cubs or Braves anyway. So I have to just take a, I'll have to reach back into the past and find that magic sitting in my backyard, you know, listen to it on radio. Um, so I'll have to resort to watching delayed broadcast two hours later or condensed game the next morning, which is what I have to do these days. So yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not the happiest camper as far as major league baseball and they're just uh, tone deafness to the inter- the waning interest level in this game and the fact that they're making it harder to access. And a lot of streamers who even live in the St. Louis market are finding it next to impossible to watch the game live. Yeah. And I got to say this because when you say that, you know, you can't even watch those series. I lived in Kansas city and I paid for MLB TV because that was the only way I could watch the Cardinal games because obviously Fox sport Midwest also uh, had deals with the Kansas city Royals. Right. You know, I was three hours away and I still was able to watch Cardinal games on MLB TV. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, uh, when you live in the St. Louis market, you can watch Chicago five hour drive. Mm -hmm. When you live in Chicago, you can watch St. Louis five hour drive. I just have always been baffled. And I even emailed uh, Fox sports Midwest and the reds about this. Like how in the hell are you laying claim to Charlotte? It's like somebody lives in North Dakota or Montana being blacked out on Mariners games. Yeah. Like this is at some point in time, common sense has to prevail on this and say, we are actually leaving money on the table because we're not even giving people the option to pay to watch. Right. So no, I'm, I'm only so much of a boomer because I'm not getting another satellite dish drilled into my roof and I'm not buying regular cable. Mm -hmm. I've streamed now for like almost eight years. Right. I'm not going back. And so they're going to have to get with the program. They're going to have to get with the time. This blackout shit is some point in time. It's going to have to end. It is. Yeah. And, and hopefully that's soon. I don't know. I, we stream. Can it be tomorrow? I I literally am going to go a week. Yeah. Being able to watch. Yeah. Um, That would be nice. I mean, we stream pretty much everything here in my household. We have Netflix, Hulu, uh, MLB TV, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus. Tito, my kids don't even know what cable is. They have no clue. <laughs> we, the only thing we have is a hook-on satellite where we can watch CBS or NBC whenever we actually turn that TV on to those channels. Um, and I guarantee you the only time I've ever turned them on to those channels is because of NFL and the March Madness tournament. Yeah, or, so, or because of uh, postseason baseball. Oh, but, yeah, you know. absolutely. I guess not postseason baseball that's carried on a, a well-known baseball station called TBS. Right. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh man. There's so much to talk about with baseball in like today's game. It's just, I have not lost love for it, but I know that there are plenty of people that have lost love for the game. Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, a lot of people want to point their finger at the commissioner or this and that. Like at this point, I'm kind of almost tired of all that conversation. It's much like the hard hit stats and the, the advanced metrics that we talked about. I think people are just kind of getting desensitized to baseball because there's just a lot of competing options right now. And I said it earlier, I just want to watch the game because I love the game. I love watching baseball in general. I tell my wife all the time, it's like, when the when the when the first game came on i was glued to my tv i was deprived of baseball and i was glued to every game and every time yeah. we sit at the dinner table even if the cardinals aren't playing i have a baseball game going on in the background on my phone because i want to know what's going on i want to see these games right my wife and i watched carlos rodon throw his no hitter um, you know, that's not something typically that most, probably a lot of baseball <laughs> fans do, but we watched that well, because I, it's I'm something not, I'm not do. even sure my wife would know, uh, what a no hitter is. And yeah. it's, 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 it's strictly due to lack of interest, not, right. not her intelligence. Like she probably doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and I guarantee you, my wife probably didn't give a shit about whoever <laughs> Carlos Rodon is and throwing a no hitter, yeah. but I'm just sitting there watching the game and she just happens to be right next to me. And I'm, and I'm ex explaining to this and I get, and I, to the point called what was going to happen when he lost his perfect game. I looked at my wife and I said, they're going to set up low and inside and he's going to bury a slider into this guy. And I don't, for the reason unbeknownst to me why they're doing that i don't know the guy was throwing 99 miles an hour on his fastball i would literally try and challenge every single hitter i face to hit 99 because there's not many people that can do it it's just how it yeah. is it's just how it is i don't know anyway okay so we've been going on for about <laughs> uh, an hour and 20 matt knows is probably thinking uh <laughs> guys it's time to wrap this up like i usually uh, who cares if that guy thinks yeah I, yeah i know he's only the co-host he hey you know what he told me to open up saying that i had the keys to the ferrari i was given it freelance to do whatever i Manuels please would hand you over easy handed you over a civic man that's Come right on. that's right well guess what this is what he gets for giving me the keys he gets a nice long one minute one hour and 20 minute podcast of ron and tito doing what they do best and just talking baseball and just talking in general because that's what it is okay so ron final thoughts anything that you want to just close out with uh before we uh, sign off sure uh you know i i think that um you know this season is going to be it's it's going to be a little tougher than what we wanted you would think that you know, within three years, you acquire the best from the West as far as offensive players go, not counting Mookie Betts, who was just went over there last year. But, you know, when you bring in a guy like Goldschmidt and Arenado, you think that, you know, you've you've got two marquee names there. You've got some pull. You've got some star power now in St. Louis that's nationally known. And, yes, I know Molina's been nationally known, but I think underappreciated and under underrated nationally, to be honest with you. But, you know, when you bring in two marquee players like this, you think things are going to be better. Like it harkens back to the time when, you know, in, in the mid two thousands, when you acquire guys like Edmonds and Rollins, and you had McGuire, that the rest of the team kind of forms around them magically, and it all happens. We're just not seeing that. Uh, we're seeing that it takes more than that. It's 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 going to have to be more than those two guys. I think most sane, level-headed people knew that. Um, have they done enough to? To, to you know, push them over the top and get them back on the top of their perch in the National League Central to you know build that kind of 
National League Central dynasty, if you will, that you know we know is going to be there on top every year. No, it's not there yet. Um, there's there's more work to do. So I think this year is going to uh, test the fans, uh, like you and me, uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna patiently wait and see you know how the pitching forms up once we get our our, our rotation healthy, and the bullpen can kind of settle down. Um, I think the Cardinals still have a, a, a healthy chance of, of capturing uh, the central. Um, I, I never thought it was going to be a runaway event. Anyway, um, we'll see if the Cubs can muster any kind of fight. They seem like they've just lost the will to live, um, especially after tonight, which is good. Yeah. You know, that, that means things are back to normal. That's nah, fine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for, uh, for me, uh, you know, I've always held, the team, at least over the last four or five years, I've been a little circumspect, even when big acquisitions and things are made. I don't get too high and I don't get too low. Um, at this point, admittedly, it's probably the lowest I've been in a while. And I think that uh, there's a lot of little things that play into that. It's, uh, you know, the uh, the lineup construction day in and day out. It's the fact that I haven't been able to watch half the games that have been played so far. Um, but, you know, other than that, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like I know I'm the same fan that I've always been. Um, there's just some things I'm seeing now that kind of uh, just turn me off a little bit, right? And so I'm not any less a fan. I'm just one that's uh, probably more frustrated than what I have been typically. But anyway, other than that, no, I'm perfectly fine, Tito. Uh, I, I will continue to do the uh, Team Rivals podcast, which is a Cubs-Cardinals rivalry. You know, I think we have the best rivalry in sports. Um, it is unique, and I grew up right in the center of it. And so some of my best friends, even blood relatives, are Cubs fans. You can believe that. Yeah. Um, so we continue to do that. It's just fun. It's just with friends and we talk baseball. So instead of uh, living next to each other and being able to go to a bar and talk baseball, we just jump on a microphone every Thursday night and do that. Um, you know, as you know, you're, you're part of it too. Uh, this show is part of uh, Gateway City Sports. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really nice being uh, at least attached to a group that, you know, we all have a mutual interest in baseball. It might always be the same. Uh, we don't have the same opinions, which is what makes it even better, right? Yeah. We, we all kind of think a little bit differently about things, but, you know, you can check us all out on gatewaycitysports.com. I know that uh, Derek puts his uh, live show out on 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 Facebook. What, I don't know what day is it, Wednesday, I think, yeah. uh, Wednesday mornings. And we got Turn and Two with you guys, Two for Three with Mike, and Team Rivals Podcast are all kind of a part of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be uh, connected to you again. Uh, doing something uh, that we all mutually love, uh, both you and Matt Nils. It's It's really great to, uh, and I got to tell you, I told him that, I think I talked to him on the phone last night. Yeah. I am, I was over the moon happy that you guys were going to do the show again. Um, I think you guys did a really great job before you have a good rapport. And uh, just thank you guys for, uh, you know, uh, inviting me on a few times. I know I did one with him not too long ago and I get to talk to you again here tonight. So I appreciate it, man. It's, 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 you guys are fun and it's fun to be a part of the same, you know, it's the same family that you guys are part of. And Ron, if you can just tell us where can they find all of gateway city sports, uh, podcasts, shows, um, on, on social media and the various other outlets. Yeah. Well, the best place to go, if you want to uh, get a taste for it all, you guys are on the website too. It's gatewaycitysports.com. Um, you can find just about everything there, all the Twitter handles, all of the links and feeds to, um, your podcast feed are all on gatewaycitysports.com. Of course, they can find you guys at, you know, uh, Turn Into Podcast. They can find me at Team Arrivals Podcast. Uh, you can find uh, 
uh, Mike uh, Stevens Stevenson does uh, two for three. Uh, Derek King does Derek King Sports Show. Although it's not in podcast form, it's on Facebook Live, so you can find him on Derek King Sports Show. Um, but something I do, what kind of outside of Gateway City Sports, is with uh, uh, Two Birds on a Bat, which you know that very well, right? We got yeah. Benji on there. You've talked to him before. Mm-hmm. Um, I do uh, Two Birds on a Bat, Ruffled Feathers. Um, it's been a fun little thing. I haven't had Jim there for a couple months. So it's been kind of odd doing it, doing it kind of on my own, but um, that's yeah, good. I like that one because I can do it whenever I want. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think Matt knows, you know, might regret giving me the keys ever again. So, um, so thank you, Ron. Uh, really great having you on board. You know, anytime that we have an opportunity to talk baseball, um, it's a great conversation. And I know Matt Knowles feels the same way. Uh, and, you know, I think he and I uh, both agree that, you know, it's been it's been fun getting back together. And as I told him, you know, uh, what makes I think our show unique is the quality of the content that we're talking about. Right. From each episode, it could be just, you know, either either we're talking about uh, baseball strategy or or baseball philosophy or just, you know, just seeing it and calling it for what it is. A spade is a spade. Right. Um, so the quality of, of content that we provide, I think, is uh, is what makes us unique. So I, I appreciate the feedback and, and the support. Um, again, that is my uh, good friend, Ron. I am your co-host, Tito. Um, thank you for tuning into this latest episode of Turn Into Podcast. Um, we'll see how everything shakes out with the Nationals uh, uh, these next three games. Uh, but for the meantime, go Cards. Have a great night.